Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. Today is episode three of the Locust and Honey Podcast. Join us as we discuss the world versus the word. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do that by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and by subscribing so that you don't have to miss any further episodes. You can also follow us on Facebook at Locust and Honey if you would like to connect with us there. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their bellies, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Well, hello. Hello, everyone. Greetings. My name's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. I'm Matt. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. 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 Well, we just want to welcome everybody here today. We're glad that you're with us. Today's going to be a fun topic as we look at the world versus the word. So before we dive into this topic of conversation for the day, what are you into right now? Uncle Andrew. <laughs> By the way, I call him Uncle Andrew because all three of my boys call him Uncle Andrew, and it's kind of stuck. So now my youth group, they also call him Uncle Andrew. Yeah, and they call my wife Aunt Emma, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Uncle Andrew, That's what are you and Aunt Emma into? Well, Aunt Emma's into school, but Uncle Andrew is into some Shane and Shane. For those of you who've never heard Shane and Shane, Go on to Spotify or go on to your music platform of choice. Type in Shane and Shane, and you will you will not regret it. You will be blessed. It is, they are amazing. They so I what think, when you say they're amazing, what makes them yeah, amazing? So I think what makes them amazing <laughs> is attractive, strapping young lads. Yeah, yeah. Well, aside from that, um, what are their names? Shane and uh-huh. Shane. Oh. Yeah. That's original. Yeah. And like their their, you know, albums are called Psalms and oh. Hymns and <laughs> Hymns too. Pages. Pages. But but the thing about them, number one, they are I mean, they are very talented and they're they sound great and that's just kind of my, you know, style of music that I like that they do. But the other thing that is more important than that is that they so we talked about the 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 hymns album or the psalms album. I'm sorry that they came out with. What they basically did was they took psalms and they wrote some additional lyrics, but for the most part, they kept the psalms intact and applied melodies to them. Yeah, and really gave that as a gift to the church to be able to continue well, to sing the psalms. Didn't God give us the gift of the well, book of psalms? He did. He did. Oh, okay. Then he used Shane and Shane to So has nobody gift. in the church ever sung psalms in corporate worship until then? Oh, no, that people did. Oh, okay. So yeah. are Shane and Shane exclusive psalmists? No. Oh, okay. They write other stuff, too. We should cover worship in one episode. We should. We should. I, I would say that Shane and Shane really, you know, 
adhere to the regulative principle. Um, the what? The right re- the the regulative principle. Yeah, that's a fancy word that I just learned. We'll have to cover that. And we'll have to do that. Upcoming episode. Stay tuned. Anyway, Shane and Shane. So you're into Shane and Shane. Yeah. I like Shane and Shane. I've been listening. uh, I got saved 16 years ago. And uh, right after I got saved, uh, a friend of mine at the time gave me a Shane and Shane CD, put it in, and I would listen to it. Really good. I feel like, what, like 10 years ago, if you wanted to listen to really good theologically deep songs... You had to listen to like Christian rap because they were really mm. getting into the theological truth, and it was like every song was a sermon. But Shane and Shane was that even before that. Yeah. You know, they've they've always been. Uh, each song is is very theologically deep and rich, and uh, and so yeah, I enjoy them for that as well. Yep, cool. I like it. So, what am I into right now? Um, I am into this app. So when we do this, this isn't sponsored. This is just banter and us kind of talking about what we're into. (laughs) Uh, We're not sponsored by Shane and Shane, even though, hey, Shane, if you hear this. um, Either of the Shanes. Feel free to do our intro song. We would allow it. Um, But what I'm into right now is this app called Couch to 10K. So I, I... recently i signed up to do a 10k but no i signed up to do a 5k and i didn't get to do it because uncle andrew was supposed to sign up with me and he never did and so yeah i'm kind of bitter about that no truthfully though uh we ended up me and my wife him and his wife ended up getting covid uh and getting over it like two weeks before the race started and so the training that I had been doing was all for naught. And, uh, and that I had been doing. I was <laughs> training for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I really like this app. If you were wanting to get in shape, uh, this is a great app for that. It starts you off where you're running for a minute, then you walk for two minutes, and then it increases your running time, decreases the walking time until you're able to run a 10K. That is kind of what I'm into right now. I want to get my run time up, and I would like to sign up for a 10K. And so I'm trying to talk Uncle Andrew and Aunt Emma into signing up with me and my wife to do a 5K in a couple of months uh, up in the North Georgia mountains. So we will see. But that is what I got going on or what I'm into. Getting physical. I like it. All right, so... Uh, the word versus the world. Where are we going to start with this? Why well, have we put these two W words together? I think that it starts with understanding that as Christians, the church is not the only thing that's actively preaching. You know, the world is also actively preaching. And, and in some cases with some people, it may be preaching to them more than the church is or more than the scriptures are. Or, and the world has a lot of ways of preaching to us that I think are kind of um, subtle and they kind of fly under the radar. As a result of these things, we become transformed into or we become conformed to the culture as opposed to being conformed to, you know, the word. Yeah, I like Greg Bonson. Been listening to a lot of his old teaching series, but he had a topic: the myth of neutrality. Culture is not neutral. You know, I can't just watch a TV show and it's it's a neutral thing. It's either shaping me to be in the image of Christ, or it's shaping me into the image of this world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that goes for music. That goes for whatever we spend time doing. Things are not neutral. You know, right. we we talked about in the last episode when we were looking at the need for reformation in America, that culture is constantly preaching to us. Our school 
that we go to or that we send our kids to. It's preaching to us a worldview. It's teaching us how to see things around us, how to think through those things, what's important, what's not important. I, I, I think if we understand that, first of all, it's it's a big key part of all of this is to to understand that everything is preaching. If we're not in the Word, allowing Romans 12, 1 and 2 to take place, mm-hmm. then we're going to be conformed to the image of this world. Right. One of the things that, or one of the passages of Scripture that I look at and I kind of say, man, the, the culture is really doing what the Bible says it will do. <laughs> right. You know, so Matthew 6, 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Yeah. So like... You think about like smartphones, you think about TVs and the way that they just capture our eyes. And I think I've told the youth this when I've talked to them. You've got marketing schemes that are set up for 10 to 17 year olds because they're on their smartphones all the time. They're on things like TikTok and on things like Instagram, Twitter and stuff like that. There are actual like algorithmic marketing schemes that are set up to capture their eyes, to capture their minds in that way. I think that it is a pressing need for us as a church and as disciples of Christ to go back to the Word and fix our eyes upon the Lord, fix our eyes upon the things of God and who He is. That's kind of the burden that I've got for it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, when we were talking about this, the reason that I jumped over this uh, topic is I've uh, recently—we had to be quarantined— couple weeks ago and had a lot of time just being in the word. So when I was in quarantine, I was reading Philippians chapter three. And what really stuck out to me is uh, there's this showing of the word versus the world. It really jumped out to me because what we see in Philippians chapter three is Paul is saying that what I desire the most is to know God, to know Christ. And when you think about that, how do you know somebody? Spend time with them. Yeah. So, like, I would say that you probably know Emma better than you know me. Yeah. Because you've spent more time with her. Mm Y'all have been married for not quite a year, but you've spent a lot of time together. Yeah. So, you know her. And I would also venture to say that in 10 years from now, you will know her better than you do right now. Right. Because of the time that you spend. Mm -hmm. And you go through highs together. You go through lows together. You go through all that life brings. Well, that's ultimately what Paul's saying here is his ultimate desire is to truly know Christ and and to know him more and more. And he's striving for this goal of knowing Christ. But then what jumped out is he says, um, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have told you often and even tell you now, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And then it talks about their end is their destruction, their God is their bellies, and their glory is in their shame. That really jumped out at me because you've got Paul, he's desiring to know God better. And I would argue that the way that we know God better is spending more and more time in his word. I've already mentioned Romans 12, 1 and 2, but it tells us to be not conformed to the image of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the way that our mind is renewed is by time spent with Christ. Mm -hmm. He takes our mind and shapes it and molds it into his mind as he's transforming us, not into the image of this world, but into his image. So that's what Paul's saying is his desire. But then the opposite of that, we have these enemies of the cross of Christ. And so when you think about, okay, how does Paul say that you become an enemy of the cross of Christ? The answer is 
their minds are set on earthly things. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I think that's a challenging passage because Paul is saying, as someone who's not an enemy of the cross, our desire is to know Christ more intimately and to know him better. But all it takes to become an enemy of the cross is to set our mind on earthly things. And so that really challenged me to say, okay, let me let me assess my life and let me look at what am I doing, like what you talked about, what am I doing that is, is shifting my focus from Christ to the things going on around me? Yeah. Uh, am I on my phone more than I should be? Am I spending more time with caring about how my kids are doing in sports or, you know, whatever it is, you can pursue work, you can pursue relationships, you can pursue all these things that in and of themselves aren't bad. But when we make them our idol, then we become an enemy of the cross. Yeah. And and some of these things too, like I know at some point we were talking about the golden calf and we were talking about Aaron setting up the golden calf to worship God. Right. But yeah. The um, people wanted the golden calf and he's trying to redeem right. the idol. Right. Yeah. And so... When you take that and you think about, okay, in the church, how could this apply even? Like when me being a worship leader, one of the things that I have to be careful with is elevating the music and the administrative side of it all and over actually beholding the holiness of God. And um, I think that's with all church ministry. Right. Yeah. You can be a pastor and you can love being on stage talking to people Mm -hmm. more than you love proclaiming and lifting high Christ. Right. You know. And and so as much as we talk about things like trends on TikTok that are insane or Do we know, talk about that? Oh well. Is that you and Emma that talk yeah, about maybe. that? Yeah, um, maybe. but just worldly things that are obviously worldly. The same principle can apply as well to stuff that you think is good. You think, well, I'm in doing ministry stuff or I'm in serving in the church. Right. But if that ultimate service is becoming a golden calf, then it's got to be destroyed. Yeah, you know? no, no, I agree. Uh, and even you could have somebody that, okay, well, I really need to focus on my marriage or my marriage is on the rock. I really need to focus on loving my wife well. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would push against that and say, unless we're loving Christ as he desires for us to love him, right? we're not going to be able to love our wives mm-hmm. as they need to be loved. Yeah. Or our husbands or our kids or our friends and family. In John, Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, basically we can do whatever he wants us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Right. And I think there's a lot of Christians or people that are self-professing believers, people that go to church, that are relying on themselves. It's almost like we have this leftover Catholic thing going on where, okay, after I do all that I can do, Christ will save me. Right. But I have to put in the effort so that he'll put in the effort. Right. But that's not the gospel. Right. The gospel is we're dead in our trespasses and sin. Christ comes to his creation, becoming a part of his creation mm-hmm. for the purpose of redeeming his creation. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for Exactly. Us, yeah. There's nothing that I can do other than abide in Christ. Yeah. I think that's kind of what Paul's getting at here is he's straining towards this goal of knowing Christ and, so that he can be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. But then 
the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, their God is their bellies, and their glory is their shame, they've set their mind on the things of this earth. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of people, you know, uh, so many times being a youth pastor, I'll have my youth come up to me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Matt, what do you think about this guy that wrote this book and now he's an atheist or now he's a deconstructionist, he's deconstructed mm-hmm. his Christian faith? And yeah. uh, Or what do you think about this, this music group or this musical person that was a, a Christian artist? Now they're not. They've kind of turned from their faith. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks not in all cases. I think it would be a case-by-case basis, but mm-hmm. predominantly you can be in ministry and be completely self-absorbed in ministry. Yeah. You can stand before people and profess the truth of the gospel while still seeking the approval of men. Right. You know? But what Paul is doing and what Paul is driving us to do, for many whom I've often told you, and I even tell you now with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. There are so many people who say they're following Christ, but are walking as enemies of the cross because they've taken their eyes off of Christ mm-hmm. and they've set their eyes on all the things around them. Yeah, you know, I'm reminded in the Old Testament when the serpents came out and they were biting the Israelites mm-hmm. and they cried out to the Lord and he said, raise up a bronze serpent on a pole and everybody who looks to it will be saved right. and everybody who doesn't will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was take their eyes off of the immediate threat, the immediate danger and put their trust in Christ looking to the bronze serpent Yeah, and they're saved. That's Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, if we are focused on him, it will navigate us through the dangerous spiritual war that we're in. But if we take our eyes off of him, then we're now going through this treacherous course blind Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do or where to go. Yeah. Which is ultimately going to be our destruction. Right. You know? And ultimately, too... Of, I guess adding on to that, when you boil things down, so like if you boil down maybe ideas that are like secular ideas, maybe some sociological ideas or whatnot, the problem that it all comes down to is by what standard. Right. So um, you think about atheism. Well, when you start to talk about talk to an atheist about these things, the issue that you're eventually going to come to is by what standard. And the same thing with really anything, you know, that is not built upon the word. When we're talking about the word versus the world, the world cannot escape the fact that it's God's. Right. So we, whether or not we are saved or not saved, Christians, non-Christians, whatever, are still all made in the image of God. Right. And we cannot escape it. When you boil down ideas like what we were talking about um, in the in the Need for Reformation episode, how, for example, the schools have taken God out of their of subjects, mm-hmm. right? Well, it all comes down to the question of by what standard? If you don't have the Word of God as your standard, you don't have a standard because the world is still God's, right? It's inescapably God's. And so kind of adding on to what you were saying just a second ago about how their end is ultimately destruction. Well, it's because it's inescapable. It's inescapable that we are living in God's world. Mm -hmm. Um, And the things that are, are, like in John 1, everything that was created, seen or unseen, came through the word, who was Christ. Yeah, no, I agree. The world was created by the word. Right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's created everything that was created. Right. Everything is under His authority. The Bible says that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Mm. I like to hike. I like to be outdoors. We lived in North Georgia up in the mountains for a long time, and we would go hiking quite often. One of the things that I always had with me when we were hiking was a headlamp. Because you never know, you might be up on the top of the mountain, and you want to stay and watch the sunset. And uh, I've, I've been up there before where we decided to stay and watch the sunset, had about a mile and a half hike back down, 
and it's all in the dark. Yeah. And so if you don't have a headlamp, it's going to make that trail a lot harder. You don't see the, the big rocks. You don't see yeah. the roots. You don't see where the trail turns and the cliff is right there. Yeah. yeah. And so if we're trying to navigate this life without God's word, then we're hiking on this dangerous trail with no headlamp in the dark. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to get off the path. And I've been hiking too, or even in the military doing land navigation. If you're off the path just a little bit and you continue on that trajectory for miles, mm-hmm. then you become extremely off the target. You have to have a place that you're looking for. You know what direction you're heading. And then once you get to that place that's short, then you shoot another direction mm-hmm. that you're going to walk. And so that gets you to the target, even though it might be pretty far away. you taking these little paths heading in the same direction every time. That's what God's Word provides. Mm-hmm. It is that lamp into our feet, that light into our path. It makes sure we're heading in the right direction and that we don't get lost. I heard somebody say in a, a sermon one time, I don't remember who it was now, but he said basically... God's word is like our our GPS on our phone. What's cool about his word is no matter where we're at on the map, it can tell us the fastest route back to him. Right. You might be in some kind of besetting sin that's way different than what I'm in, but we can both get into God's word and it's going to tell us both the fastest route directly back to him. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage my students all the time to be saturated in the word on a daily basis because every single day we're supposed to be picking up our cross and following him and every single day we're moving we're either moving towards him or we're moving as enemies of the cross focused on this world but we're we're going somewhere every day right if we're not letting the word guide us then the world is guiding us and that comes back to romans 12 you know we're either being transformed into his image or being conformed to the world's image right yeah yeah that's good so what about those who are looking to be faithful to the lord so i know you had a story about someone who was poured into you and one of the things that he said was i can see that you are trying to be faithful to the word right how do we go about wrestling with things i know that sometimes in my own life i'll make so like one of the things that happens between my wife and i is i'll wrestle with stuff and my mind will go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth right <laughs> and sometimes that seems like i'm wishy-washy you know what i mean uh-huh. but really what it is is i'm wrestling and meditating on the word one of the passages that i really like as far as that goes is psalm 1 it says blessed is the man who not walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night and so maybe for someone who is a believer who is trying to not go the way of the world, trying to stay faithful to the word. How might we go about meditating on the word day and night, as it says in Psalm 1? So word coupled with prayer, coupled with community, would you say? Yeah, or, I mean, I know the word is sufficient itself, but like as far as meditating and wrestling on really complicated, tough things, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and that's where worship comes in right um what are the things we're doing to glorify god we're praying we're reading the word we're communing with one another Mm -hmm. with like-minded believers all of these things are going to help us they've been given to us so we are not created to be isolated creatures right you know that's not how god made us he made us dependent he made us dependent on him he made us dependent on one another when he saw Adam alone, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Let me give him a helpmate. He creates Eve for Adam. And so we were not created to be isolated. We were created to be communal. When we find ourselves around like-minded believers, 
it helps us to work through the mm-hmm. word and wrestle with the word. Submitting to the leadership of our pastors is one way. The whole purpose of ordination is a church body is saying we submit to the leadership of this man as Christ under shepherd. We're submitting to them in their leadership of rightly dividing the word. We have each other. We have like-minded believers that are wrestling through things that we're wrestling through and helping us think through things. But ultimately, it comes down to putting God's word in its context, not us trying to fit it into our context. You know, so if I'm wrestling with something, I don't just go looking for a verse here and there that supports what I want to do because that's not beneficial and I'm taking God's word out of its context. You know, being able to not just read a verse of the day and say, oh, I've been in the word today. My my lamp is is fully shining. <laughs> but to yeah. to be able to put that verse in the context of that chapter mm-hmm. and then that chapter in the context of that book and then that book in the context of scripture as a whole. So it's really spending time, like you said, meditating in the word and getting what is the word saying mm-hmm. to this person and then how does that apply to me? Yeah, and I think that what's interesting about what the word says about the word is that it talks about a sense of a delight in the word. So it's not just simply reading to uh, check off a box or reading to say that we are healthy Christians. Right. You know, there is a actual delight in God's word because it is God's word. Right. Yeah. Another one of my Psalms, my favorite Psalms, (laughs) uh, Psalms 119, where it talks about how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word with my whole heart, I seek you. So he's talking about seeking the Lord with his whole heart. And then a couple verses down, it says, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So there's this not so much begrudging commitment to the word, not so much, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like militaristic uh, discipline. <laughs> right. There's more of a joy of a want to, like yeah. a longing for, a thirst for. Well, and that goes back to Philippians 3, yeah. because what Paul's saying there in verse He said, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's exactly what you're saying. You know, he's saying everything that I have, everything that I've worked for, everything that I can obtain, I count it as a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Going back to the example of you and your wife, you know your wife. Today isn't like it used to be, but back in the day, if you were apart from your spouse, you would write a letter. Mm-hmm. You know, and because you love your wife, if you received a letter from her, you're going to read it and then you might read it again and then you might read it again and then you're going to think about her as you're reading it and all of that. It's just it's you because of the love that you have for her wanting to know her even better. Right. You know, and because you love her, you want to spend time with her. And while you can't be with her, you have that letter from her. And so you're going to read it and then you're going to write her another letter back and get another letter and all that stuff. You know, we have time for the things that are most important to us. We right. make time for what we care about. And and that's true for all people. So that's what the psalm is saying. That's what Paul's saying here. He would count everything else as loss for the sake of having time to be with Christ and right. to know him and to spend time with him. If we're finding that we're too busy to be in the word, that's because we don't care as much about Christ and we're focused on the things of this world. Mm-hmm. When we shift our focus to Christ, it's not something that I have to do because I'm a Christian. It's something I get to do because I'm in a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like at the beginning, 
the thing that I was talking about being into is running. When I was in the military, we had to run. We had to do PT in the morning. Yeah. And every Friday we would have to do a 10-mile run, and I hated it, despised it, because they were making me do it. Mm-hmm. You know. But then when I got out, when I was in college, started running again, and I found joy in it because it was me doing it for myself. Yeah. And then I started doing 10 miles every Friday just because I enjoyed it. Right. It was a time that I could listen to podcasts, listen to worship music, things like that, and just spend time reflecting on the word and the Lord and all that. But it wasn't something that I was being made to do. It was something that I was desiring to do for myself, and that changed my attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with being in God's word. So many people are dogmatically, we want to change people's actions without dealing with their hearts. Yeah. With our kids, we want do this, don't do that, read your Bible, go to church, pray, do all this stuff, but we're not really focused on their heart change, mm-hmm. you know? If their hearts have been changed, their desires will also be changed. Right. Same for anybody. If our heart's been changed, our desires change. If Christ has regenerated us, he's brought newness of life, that also regenerates our desires. If we are his, we desire to know him right. more than to be focused on the things of this world. Yeah. We love the creator rather than the creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think... You know, for me, this delight in the word kind of, it reminds me of like the running analogy that you mentioned a second ago with when you were in the army and you had to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. versus after you got out and you wanted to kind of, I think that it's mine and I think it's actually a lot of people's, you know, stories with the word in one way or another at some point in time. And I think it's because, and, and, and I know we were talking about it a couple episodes ago, but like we are kind of, I think if you grew up in the Christian world, like if, if you're not someone who has a crazy testimony where like they were doing horrible things and then they met Jesus and then they, right. but if you're someone who like grew up in the church, I think that a lot of times we were taught to read the Bible because we like Bible drills, you know, what I mean? like yeah. it was kind of like a, a chore, a workout. For me, it was kind of one of those things where, and it goes a little bit back to the youth, but one of those things where like when I got into college, at that point, you've got a decision to make. You're out of the structure of your youth group or your family. You can either, you can do whatever you want to do, to be honest. You know, right. If you don't have that delight in the word, then for me, there was a time where I really wasn't in the word for probably like a year. Right. In between high school and college. So definitely having a heart. Right. And that that comes from Christ. Like I said, I think that there is benefit in having kids be in the word at a young age. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what we're praying for is the Lord to take the truth of his word and to transform their hearts with the gospel. There has to come a time when there it's, it's less me making my child go to church or me making my child pray or me making my child read scripture and then them desiring that because Christ has changed their heart. And if that's not happening, my kids 17, 18, 19 years old, then I really need to be praying for the Lord to transform their hearts from the inside out it's Mm -hmm. it's not something that we can dictate you can't dictate kids into heaven or adults into heaven Mm -hmm. it's got to be something the lord does from the inside and then once he's cleansed the inside the outside will show the fruit of that we can't just clean up the outside that's what jesus had a problem with the pharisees for he said you're like whitewashed tombs you've painted the outside beautiful but inside it's full of death and bones Mm. you know woe to you 
<laughs> yep. All right, so Andrew, what would you say the practical application for this episode would be? Well, I think that we, it's simple, and it's also something that is thoughtful and planful in that it's simple by way of what it says in Psalm 119. So how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Simple answer. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Okay. Yeah. With that, though, comes what we were talking about with the planfulness, the thoughtfulness of saying, okay, what I love, I'm going to prioritize. Right. What I love, I'm going to make time for. I know a lot of people who say, well, I, I want to read the word. I want to get in the word, but I don't know where to start. And I'd say start anywhere. Start at the beginning of any book mm -hmm. and just start reading because ultimately you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> True. So I would say that application wise, it's a pressing issue. It's one that definitely needs to be at the forefront because like we were saying at the beginning of the episode, culture is preaching to us. The world's preaching to us. So as Christians, we've got to remain tethered to the word of of Christ yeah. and not be tossed to and fro by the culture. Right. Well, yeah, I would agree. And I would say, like we said, you have time for what you care about. Mm -hmm. You're going to make time for whatever you care about. Read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Meditate on that and, and understand that we are either being conformed to the image of this world on a daily basis or our mind is being transformed by our time spent with Christ. If we're not in the Word, we're not spending time with Him. If all we do is pray... That's a one-sided conversation. Christ speaks to us by his word, and we speak to him through prayer. You can't just say, uh, yeah, I've been praying more. That's a good thing, but it's got to be coupled with the reading of his word because that's how he's speaking to us. And truthfully, we need to hear from him far more than he needs to hear from us. That time spent with him is what is transforming our mind so that we're not being conformed to the image of this world. So our our call to you is to not be an enemy of the cross of Christ. Take your eyes off the things of this world and put your eyes on Christ. Once we do that, all the other things will work out. Not in a magical sense, but in a you're in the Lord's will and all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So that relationship with Christ is the most important thing. And once that's right, everything else will start falling into place. Yeah. If you're still here, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for your support. And um, we hope that you have a good Lord's Day. And we can't wait to see you next week. Yeah. Bye.